We've been teaching on the subject of Christian philosophy, and I am very excited about this because this is just, uh, this is foundational stuff. I've already shown from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, that everybody has a way of looking at things, a paradigm, a worldview, and we shape all of the information and everything that comes to us. Our opinions are based upon that. And so in the first part of this teaching, I was showing about theological issues, about how that the Word of God is the infallible Word of God. We've got to get to where we believe God's Word. We've got to believe that God is absolute and in authority. He is God and you aren't. And we dealt with all of these issues and showed theological issues and things based on Scripture. But what I want to begin to do now is to start making applications from the Word of God, what the Word of God says about things in our culture today. And let me just start off by saying that there's going to be a lot of people, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but I've just ministered to so many people. I know uh, the reactions of people. Everywhere I go, there will be a certain segment of people who will think that I'm, uh, you know, veering from what I'm called to do as a minister in talking about social issues. We're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about homosexuality. And I'm going to talk about evolution. And there's a lot of people that think that a minister has no business getting into these areas. You ought to just stick with the Word. But the Word has things to say about every one of these issues. And it is not, you know, God didn't create a spiritual or a religious realm and then a secular realm. That is absolutely untrue. Uh, there's so many scriptures. I, I could get off and teach about this. I'm just wanting to make reference to it that I am not only uh, enabled to do this by what the Lord says in His Word and what He's called on me, but I believe that there is a responsibility on ministers to make statements about public, uh, secular, if you want to use that word, policies and things like that. And in the absence, in the void of the ministers standing up and speaking out on these issues, that's the reason that the secular world, the ungodly people, those who do not have a Christian philosophy or a Christian paradigm and way of looking at things, that's the reason that they've been able to gain the traction and the influence that they have is because Christians have been silent on issues. But if you went back and truly studied the history of the United States of America, I forget the exact details, but I'll, I'll be general. And so, you know, some of you may get upset and try and challenge me on things. We could go and give you uh, references and proof for all of these things. But I know that uh, there was like a majority of the people who signed the United States Constitution, Declaration of Independence, were Christians, most of them. I believe many of the signers were actually ministers. The United States was formed basically as a result of the revival, the awakenings that went through uh, the colonies in the 1700s. And it was, uh, I forget exactly how many times, but hundreds of times, either scriptures or sermons were quoted in the Declaration and in the Constitution. And every founding father spoke out and advocated things uh, about the Lord. They made moral stands. Uh, John Adams, who was the second president, the first vice president of the United States, said that America, or excuse me, democracy is totally unsuited for anybody but a moral people. 
He said, if the United States ever ceases to be moral, then democracy will destroy this nation. And the logic behind that is that we have the ability to self-govern. And if we ever lose the influence of religion or Christianity on our culture and it becomes amoral, immoral, well then democracy will allow us to vote all kinds of ungodliness in. And that's what we see happening in the United States and in other democracies and republics all over the world that the church has lost its... uh, influence in the marketplace and it's increasingly becoming more and more secular. They are approving things that are completely contrary to morality and basically they're turning their back on everything that God has established and and it just doesn't work. There are people that try and separate the United States from Christianity and I don't believe that America should be exclusively Christian in the sense that we persecute, prohibit, uh, hurt other religions. I believe that there is a huge difference between Christianity and Islam, that Islam wants to kill anybody who doesn't become a part of their religion. And I know that there's people who will get upset at that, and that's not all Islamic people are like that, but in the Quran and the core of it, Those are the principles involved. Christianity isn't like that. And even though, you know, this isn't exclusive to Christians in the United States, Christianity is the one that gives other people freedom to believe whatever they believe. And it was founded on these Christian principles of free choice and and personal responsibility. But I'm just saying that I not only have the right... But I believe I have a God-given responsibility. I have the precedent in history that ministers are supposed to be speaking out on some of these moral, social issues. The things that are defined in the Word of God and clearly stated have a place in the public marketplace. And so the second half of this teaching on Christian philosophy is going to be talking about moral issues. I'm going to start off talking about evolution versus creationism. And again, I know that there's people who will say, well, man, you're way off base here and you have no right speaking about these kind of things. Uh, Personally, the Word of God is sufficient for me. I don't have to have anything but the Bible. I believe that the Bible is more up-to-date and more accurate than any scientific stuff. Uh, And I could spend a lot of time talking about that. But the Word of God has proven itself to me. I've lived by it. The truths in the Word of God have resonated on the inside of me. They've changed my life, and I don't have to have somebody with a Ph.D. come along and confirm it. I know that I'm getting narrower and narrower in the people who are really agreeing with me and responding because there's a huge amount of people that even though they believe that the Word of God is from God, they do not believe it at, uh, you know, to be authoritative. They believe that there's all kinds of mistakes in it. They believe it's a vague rep- rep- representation. They don't base their life on it. And so there's a large segment of Christianity that even though they might respect it to a degree, they do not believe in the Word of God as strongly as I do. I've already talked about a lot of things in the first part of our teaching on Christian philosophy about the infallibility of the Word and the proof that it is not just a document from men. It is a God-breathed, God-inspired document. And I believe that. And I believe it because of all of the things we've already discussed, the, the facts, the statistics about it, 
But you know, really, the number one thing that convinces me of the truth of the Word of God is because of the way it has changed my life. As I read and study the Word, I mean, it just explodes on the inside of me. It comes alive. There's a part of me. There's something that resonates on the inside. And the Word of God has changed my life. I have based my belief systems, my philosophy on the Word of God, and I've proven it hundreds, thousands, and thousands of times, even to the point of seeing my own son raised from the dead because of the truths that the Word of God present. And so you're just too late to tell me that it doesn't work. I know it's the Word of God, and the Word of God is sufficient for me to settle this problem of evolution versus creationism. But... I know that there's a large segment of Christians that, again, they might honor the Word to a degree, but they really honor all of the natural things that we are taught, our educational system and things like this. They're, they're really uh, very similar to the d degree that they honor that. And so when people come out with discoveries, like, you know, just recently they came out with something that the scientists had found this God particle, that basically shows the particle in all of creation that, that started everything. And some people get excited about that. I've had people approach me about quantum physics, and I don't know a lot about that, but I've heard enough to know that many people are saying that quantum physics is actually showing the existence of God. Every time they discover something like a piece of Noah's Ark, some kind of archaeological thing that confirms the Word, people get so excited because, oh, this, this shows that these things are true. You know what? I believe that they're true because they have changed me. I don't have to have somebody else come along and confirm it. But for those people who believe that a minister is totally unqualified to speak about these things, you ought to leave this up to the scientists. You don't know what you're talking about. I've got two scientists, I mean card-carrying, credentialed scientists who I'm going to be interviewing and speaking on the subject of evolution. And they are going to give you all of the details. And uh, I'm really excited about this. You know what? It didn't change a single thing I believed. It didn't make me believe it stronger. I believe what I believe because of the Word of God. But I'm aware that there's a lot of people who are skeptical, skeptics. And then there's a lot of people who are believers, believers but they're skeptical believers. And I, there's a whole group of people that the Word of God just isn't enough for them. There's a large segment of people that uh, they don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. Their beliefs are based on things outside of the Bible. And for those people, I believe that as I go in and talk with these two scientists and verify things and show you proof of things, that creationism is the true uh, way that this whole universe and you and I came into being. As I show you these things, I think it's going to be an impact and it's going to and it's going to help people. But did you know what? For me, it's the very first verse of the Bible. It says in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That just settles it for me. I don't need anything more than that. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that. And I don't have any problems with that. Did you know that evolution primarily is a non-theistic Evolution. Now, there are some people who believe in what they call theistic evolution. They believe that God created 
the heavens and the earth and all of the life forms, but he did it through evolution and it took millions and millions and millions of years to happen. There are some Christians, there are some theologians who believe that. And I'll acknowledge that. But that is not what the Word of God teaches. And I'm going to spend some time trying to go through these things. But let me just say this. At the very least, at the very least, and I mean this is a huge compromise, but I don't see how a Christian who believes in what the Word of God teaches can embrace a non-theistic evolution, can embrace that things just happen spontaneously and that God did not create it. I cannot square that with Scripture. And this is one of the reasons that I believe it is so critical for me to address this apparent contradiction between evolution and creationism. I believe it's imperative to address it because there are many people, many, many people, Christians, that will not stand and speak against evolution because they have been told that it is an established fact, that it is an acknowledged fact that evolution has been proven over and over. And it's said so often that people are just afraid to stand up and say anything about it. You know, one of the things that really bothers me is when you go to these national parks and it's beautiful and you go there and you start reading the things and they say 20 million years ago this happened when the Bible makes it very clear that since the fall of Adam... Now, we don't know exactly how much time there was uh, between the time God created the heavens and the earth and then mankind and the fall of Adam. But I don't believe it was a very long period of time because he told them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And uh, I don't believe that hundreds of thousands, millions of years could have passed or there would have been a multitude of people besides just Adam and Eve. So just by virtue of the fact that they didn't have any children until after the fall, I believe it was a relatively short period of time. And the Scripture makes it clear that since the fall of mankind, I've actually gone through Scripture. This took me over 20 years to put together a timetable adding up the lives of these people and how old they were when they had this uh, child and then how old that child was when he died and when he had descendants. It took me over 20 years adding these things up, but I, by my own uh, reckoning, have come that the earth is only 6,000-something years old. I'd have to go back and look at that to get the exact figure. And then I've read other books and other theologians and commentaries who've done the same thing, and our ages vary less than 50 years. And you know, that's really not a significant amount when you're talking about thousands of things that you've added up. And you know, the person that says it could be in their 600th year, you don't know if that was just the day after they turned 600 years old talking about Noah or if they were towards the end of that. And so you add up all of these things. 50 years is really a statistically insignificant amount and uh, the point I'm making is many people have come to the same conclusion. Since the Scripture shows that since the fall of Adam and Eve, it is less than 7,000 years since that happened. And of course, evolution is exactly opposite of this. It takes hundreds of millions of years for the theory of evolution to evolve and for their supposed thing to happen. And so the reason I'm saying all of this is to say that if a person embraces evolution and accepts this as a fact, it is going to go exactly 
contrary to what the Word of God says. Now, I'm going to show you a lot more scripture. I'm going to show you, I'm going to interview these scientists and show you that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of scientists that do not buy into the lie of evolution. You're told that it's an established fact. It is not an established fact. It's a theory. It's actually a belief system. And a person who believes in evolution has to exhibit more faith than a person who believes in creationism. <laughs> I know some of you will be shocked by that statement, but I can guarantee you it is absolutely true. Again, I'm not a scientist, but I have approached this subject hundreds of times. I've talked to people. I've studied. You know, when I was in school, I was a math major, and one of the things we took was uh, the laws of probability. And again, I, I'm not going to be specific because somebody will challenge me on it and throw out the whole thing, but... I'm be general in these statements, and I know it to be true, that anything to 10 to the, I forget the exact number, but it was around 10 to the 10th or 10 to the 12th power, anything that, you know, the law of probability, something happening like that, anything beyond the 10 to the 10th or 12th power, whatever that figure is, is statistically impossible. They say that it is impossible, it cannot happen, and yet the probability of evolution happening is something like 10 to the quadrillionth power. And every single time, like from 10 to the 10th power, from to 10 to the 11th power, that makes it 10 times more impossible. So when you go to the quadrillionth power, it is just unbelievably, astronomically so impossible that it could not happen. And so just from the laws of probability, the science of probability, you could disprove evolution. I don't know if any of you ever saw this movie, Expelled, but you know, it shows that there are lots of scientists who challenge the science, quote unquote, of evolution, and they get disbarred from universities, they get ostracized, they get criticized. It is not objective. There are thousands, I mean tens of thousands of scientists who have taken a stand against evolution as it's described and presented. And again, there's variation here. Some of them be believe in uh, intelligent design and different things. I'm not going to go into all of that, but I'm saying that there are people who reject all of this based on science. There are unbelievers that reject evolution based on science, not based on some scriptural model. It is not a proven fact. I'm going to go through scripture. I'm going to use these scientists and we're going to show you some things and I believe it is imperative to counter this lie of evolution because the Bible does not teach it. And if you embrace evolution, you are going to wind up rejecting the authority of the Bible. It, it, you cannot reconcile evolution with the Scripture. And I believe it's so important for me to share what the Word of God has to say about creationism versus evolution is because if a person embraces evolution because we've been taught it in our schools... Our scientific community today is presenting it as an established fact, which it is not, that no person with any brain would ever challenge evolution. It has been proven over and over, and that is not true. There are thousands and thousands of scientists that reject it, and we're going to be showing you some scientific proof and a lot of things that if your heart is open, if you aren't already have a paradigm, a worldview, a philosophy that excludes you being objective. 
If you were to be objective and open up your heart, we will prove to you from the Word of God and through scientists that I'm going to be interviewing that evolution is not a proven fact. As a matter of fact, every observable thing that we can find in the natural realm disproves evolution. And I know that there's going to be people that challenge me because, again, people have just drunk the Kool-Aid and they believe this. They will go to some people with, uh, you know, degrees behind their name and say they, they say emphatically that this is the way it is, but it violates the Word of God. And if you embrace those things, you have lost some of your confidence and authority in the Word of God. You're going to have to believe that the Word of God is not accurate in every detail. And I guarantee you, the Word of God is the foundation of your faith. If you ever let somebody talk you out of that, it's going to affect your belief system. So I do not believe that it is compatible for a Christian. Now, I guess, you know, again, you can define Christian in a lot of different ways. Our society defines it as anybody who's not a Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, or whatever, and you're by default a Christian. There's many people that would call themselves a Christian, but they aren't truly born again. They don't have a personal relationship with God. And I could even go further that there's people who may have called out to the Lord and have been born again, and they have an assurance of their salvation, and they're going to heaven, but they haven't plunged into the Word of God. They aren't growing. They aren't disciples. They aren't seeking God with their whole heart. And so again, some of this is subjective on how you define a Christian. But I'm talking about the word Christian means little Christ. And if you are trying to follow Christ and be a disciple and do what the Word of God says, then creationism is the only conclusion that you could come to from the Word of God. Evolution violates the Word of God. Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it. It didn't happen. It is not spontaneous. There wasn't some big bang. God created the heavens and the earth. It is intelligent. You know, here's some things. I, there's so much to say about this. I'm not sure I'm doing this in an orderly fashion. So please bear with me and give me some mercy on this. But to me, it says in Psalms chapter 19... The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There isn't a language or a place on the face of the earth that creation's voice isn't heard and speaking to people. Boy, those are powerful, powerful scriptures. And what this means to me is you could take the collective effort of the human race. Right now we have over 7 billion people. You could take all of these scientists. You could pool the wealth of the entire world. And if our only goal was to create, like just say, one blade of grass, just create a blade of grass that could grow and then reproduce and multiply another blade of grass... If you took all of the effort of the human race, all of our resources, all of our brilliant minds, all of our money, and did nothing but focus on that, you could not create one blade of grass. You could create something that would look like it. It may have the same texture. It may fool people, but it would never grow. It would never produce another blade of grass. And here's the point. If all of this intelligence, all of the collective ability of mankind cannot produce the simplest thing, a blade of grass, a leaf, 
If you can't do that, how in the world could you think that all of this complexity that we see in nature and all of the different life and all of the things that are happening, how could you believe that this could just randomly happen? You know, if you stop and really thought about what I just said, that right there would disprove evolution. It can't happen randomly. It can't happen without God. And I believe that the reason people are so adamant and pro-evolution is because it gives them a rationale to be able to deaden their heart to the voice of creation. Creation is, according to Psalms 19, is just shouting out to us. Every single day, every person on the face of the earth, in the farthest reaches of this planet, creation is constantly speaking out that there has to be a creator, that this cannot randomly happen. And the reason people want to believe in evolution is because it eliminates the voice of creation and it therefore eliminates our responsibility to a creator. If we just evolve from slime, if we are nothing but an evolved animal, then you know what? Well, then we can live like an animal. And when we die, it's just over. We didn't come from anywhere. We aren't going anywhere. And so you can do whatever. You can murder, plunder, kill. And if you can figure out a way to do it so that you don't get put in jail and don't suffer for it, well, then fine. Just establish your own morality. That's the reason people like evolution is because it takes away responsibility to a creator. We see so many things in the Word of God that again show that we didn't just evolve, that God is not a disinterested person who's off there, out there someplace, just wound the earth up like a clock and lets it run. But no, He created these things. He is constantly monitoring it. And the creation just screams that out. And I believe that the reason evolution is being pushed down people's throats is because it's an attempt to drown out that voice of creation. But it says clearly God created the heavens and the earth. Let me just go through. You need to study Genesis 1 on your own. But it says God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke light into existence. And if you study this out, he spoke like into existence before he created the sun or the moon or the stars. He spoke light into existence before there was a place for light to come from. Did you know what this does too? This totally disproves the Big Bang Theory, which again, uh, I've never embraced the Big Bang Theory because it's not in Scripture. But if anybody believes that God somehow or another caused the Big Bang and it took hundreds of millions of years and God did it, but He used this evolutionary model to accomplish it. Well, then Genesis disproves that. It comes out against that because there was light before there was a sun, the moon, and the stars. The earth existed before the sun existed. There wasn't all of this matter that was just flung out and these things happened. God created the earth and then on the third day of creation is when He created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and He placed them in the heavens to give light upon the earth. That's what the Scripture says. 
The evolutionary model says that these things just happened and randomly, and even if you believe that there was a God who was making these things happen, it didn't happen in the sequence that the evolutionists say. The earth was created first. It was totally covered by water. God said, let there be light, and it wasn't until the third day, that was on the first day of creation, that He spoke light into existence, and it was on the third day of creation when He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And again, I know that some of this is a little hard to understand because we, you know, if you wanted to give light, you go turn on a light. You turn on a flashlight. You light a candle. You do something and the light comes from that source. But God, it says over in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, God calls those things which be not as though they are. God speaks things into existence. God spoke light into existence before it created the source for light to come from. And I know that's hard for our little peanut brains to wrap around and understand, but it doesn't disprove it. Just because we can't understand how God did some things and because it's not the way that we would have done it doesn't mean that it isn't true. The Scripture teaches that God created these things. And let me just point out a couple of other things. Again, I could spend months on this. If you study the Word of God, evolution is incompatible with the Word of God. And in Genesis chapter 1, in verse uh, 20, it says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice there in that 21st verse that every animal brought forth after their kind. And then when God created the animals of the field, the land animals, it says in verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And of course, these are just a couple of verses. This could be magnified and amplified on uh, many times throughout Scripture. But the point I'm making is that the Bible says that every animal, whether in the sea or on land, brought forth after their kind. Every plant brought forth after its kind. What this means is that there is no such thing as a, as a mutation or a morphing from one species to a different species, which all of evolution is dependent upon that principle. They believe that there were these chemicals. Of course, you know, if you go back all the way to the Big Bang and they said that there was all of this mass and then there was this bang and it was thrown out and this developed into a primordial soup and then uh, one-celled being came into being and it mutated and it became uh, a fish and then an amphibian and then it walked and it became an ape and then it became a man. And all of evolution is based on all of this stuff just happening. My question to those people is, all right, where did all of the stuff come from in the beginning? See, nobody has an answer for that. Evolution, if you just keep following it back, they say that this happened. Well, how did that happen? Where did this material come from that the bang started with in the first place? And if you just keep peeling back the layers and following it to its source, nobody has an answer for where the original stuff came from, how this bang happened. 
You know, there had to be a God. There had to be someone who started this process. But I want to specifically mention that evolution is dependent upon all of these one-celled animals progressing to a more complex form and then species mutating from one species to another. And yet the Bible teaches that every species produces after its own kind. You cannot observe. It has never been observed regardless of what evolutionists say. They will say that this is a proven fact. I'm going to interview scientists that will show you proof that it hasn't happened. They cannot prove it. It is not proof. You cannot observe it anywhere in creation that one species has become another species. Now you can, like for instance, breed horses and you can breed certain traits. You can take a normal horse and you can breed one of these massive work horses. You can breed miniature horses. You can vary within the species, but you know what? It has never been proven. It cannot be proven that one species becomes another species, such as a monkey becoming a man. It is not proven. It has not been proven. And the Word of God specifically says that every kind produces after its own kind. That is a scriptural principle. And evolution totally violates this principle. Evolution is incompatible with Scripture. It does not work. You cannot observe it. And there are just so many, many scriptures. Let me turn over to Exodus chapter 20. This is where God gave the Ten Commands, Commandments and He was talking specifically about honoring the seventh day and uh, observing the Sabbath. And here's what He said in Exodus chapter 20 and in verse 10. It, well, let me just back up and says verse 9, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, shalt, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. You know, again, this is just one more reference that God created the heavens and the earth in a short period of time, six days, which again, evolution is dependent upon hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of years. Uh, I mean, without that, matter of fact, as we get into this interview with Carl Ball, he will give you the specifics. Again, I would miss the man's name and the exact wording. But he quotes one of the leading evolutionists that was in a debate, and this evolutionist said, if you could disprove the hundreds of billions of years that evolution says is necessary to create all of this complexity that we see. If somehow or another, these hundreds of billions of years, if we miss that, he says all of evolution hinges upon that. It is absolute... Well, of course, evolution is totally impossible if you have hundreds of millions of years. But it is even more impossible that it could happen in a short period of time. And if somehow or another you could prove the short age of the earth, you could totally disprove evolution. The evolutionists have said that. 
And yet we are going to have things that will show you and prove that all of these layers of the earth that they say are hundreds of millions of years old were laid down in a relatively short period of time. It happened during Noah's flood. And in one year's period of time, all of this rock strata and the coal and all of these things that people are talking about as taking hundreds of millions of years happened nearly instantaneously. Matter of fact, when I interview uh, Dr. Grady McMurtry, he's going to go and show pictures of the Mount St. Helens eruption and show the different layers that were laid down in just a matter of days or weeks at the most, and they correspond to all of the things that are said in the rock column that are supposedly proving that the earth is hundreds of millions of years old, and yet Mount St. Helens, which only happened a couple of decades ago, has proven and has laid down these layers and has done things that disprove this whole evolutionary theory. Again, there are just so many scriptures on this. It's, you know, I, I could spend months on this, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be detailed, and yet at the same time, it is just so absurd, the whole theory of evolution, that it's amazing that people buy into this. In Psalms chapter 33 and verse 6, it says, um, let me see, Psalms 33 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. This is exactly what Genesis chapter 1 says. It says, God said, let there be light. It says, He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the deep upon... He layeth up the... uh, Well, let me read this again. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all of the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Again, this is a scripture showing that the Lord created the heavens and the earth. They didn't evolve without him. They didn't evolve with him. They were created in six days. Again, that's a statement that a lot of people will think is inaccurate, and it's not. You know, there are scriptures that talk about the Lord sitting upon the circle of the earth. People think that, you know, at at one time people thought the earth was flat and that if you sailed so far on the oceans that you'd fall off and that the earth was carried on a turtle uh, on his back, and they've got depictions of this. And people look at that, and many times they ascribe those kind of ancient uh, thoughts and views to Christians. And there may have been Christians and religious people who promoted some of those things, but the Bible didn't. The Bible talked about the Lord sitting on the circle of the earth. If you go into Scripture, and again, I could. there is so much detail on this. I could spend month after month after month just teaching on this, and so I'm not going into detail. But the Bible said these things thousands of years before mankind discovered that the earth was a globe instead of something flat. Men were inspired by God to write, and what is written in the Word of God is scientifically accurate, and it is true. It is more up-to-date than our scientists. Here's another one in Psalms 115, and in verse 15, it says, "...you are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth." The Lord made the heaven and the earth. They did not randomly happen. 
that God didn't just somehow or another observe these things happening and it happened over millions and billions of years. It was created by God. Malachi chapter 2 and in verse 10, it says, Have ye not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Right here again is a statement about that God created us. We did not evolve. We are a specific creation of God. Here's some powerful scriptures. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And again, if I had time, you could go into the exact words. The words made here is talking about forming and creating. It didn't randomly happen. The Bible does not teach evolution. It is not compatible with evolution. It will not support evolution. You cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and believe in evolution. You can't be... I'm going to say some things that I know I'll be criticized for. But you can't really be an intelligent person and without bias examine the information and the evidence and believe in evolution. And I know that there's many people who are going to say, man, that is absolutely untrue. But I believe it is absolutely true. And here's a couple of other scriptures that this is going to offend people, but I'm not the one who said it. I'm quoting scripture. Psalms chapter 14, also Psalms chapter 53, the exact same thing is said twice in Scripture. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Evolution. And again, there's varying interpretations and applications of this, but evolution at its core is anti-God. It is a way of explaining everything that we see and experience without God. Some of you may disagree with that. There are people who believe in theistic evolution, but that does not square with Scripture. There are variations, and I know that there are some people who embrace evolution and still claim to believe in God, but evolution was started. I've actually got an article that I read from David Barton on his website, and he goes back and gives the history of evolution. It dates back over 2,400 years. 2,400 years ago, people were using evolution to basically say that there is no God, this all randomly happened, and it was a way of explaining God away and explaining creation without God. Aristotle proposed some of the things concerning evolution, and it goes back and predates the time of Christ. And it has evolved and evolved and evolved. And Darwin didn't come along and come up with the theory of evolution. He just popularized it and wrote his book. But it was in existence. It's been man's attempt from the beginning to try and explain away God. Evolution at its core is anti-God. Now again, there are some people who claim to be theistic evolutionists, but that does not square with Scripture. I've already used a lot of that. And it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. All life came from God. That's what the Bible teaches. It did not randomly start. It didn't happen by some lightning strike on a primordial soup. I tell you, those things, it's just, you have to have more faith than what I've got. 
I've got enough faith that I've seen the dead raised and blind eyes open, but I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. It is just unbelievable. All of this complexity could come from this. You know, one of the laws of thermodynamics or, or thermo... Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, you know, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not real familiar with it, but I, there is a second law of thermodynamics or dynamics or I'm not sure. But anyway, it says, here's the principle, and you can observe this whether you are into that or not. Every person observes this, that you cannot observe in nature things going from a state of disorder to a state of order. But instead, this second law says everything goes from order to disorder. It goes from complexity to simplicity. Did you know DNA studies are showing that our DNA is degrading as the human race progresses? And if you were to just extrapolate and go back with the known rate of degrading of our DNA in the human race, if you were to extrapolate it back, you know, beyond 20, 30,000 years ago, the human race, uh, you know, just, it couldn't have existed. It can't go back that far. It is a known rate of degrading of our DNA and things like this. Just everything in the natural, everything degrades. It goes from good to bad. You know, fruit doesn't get better. It gets it spoils if you leave it. If you left, uh, you know, all of the building materials for a house and if you were to come and dump them on a building site, now that right there is quite a concession. Just assuming that somebody's already milled it, made it, all of the nails, the connectors, the wood, the stucco, the electric, the everything. Let's say that somebody else made it. That's quite a concession and just put it on a building site. It will never just by being there. If you left it for millions, tens of millions, billions of years, that building material will never assemble and get more put together. But you could take a house that is put together and uses fasteners and all of these kind of things, and you leave it over 10, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, it's going to decay. It's going to get worse. It'll fall apart. It'll never get more together. You cannot observe anything in nature becoming more complex. You can find the degrading of all kinds of things. You can find things decaying and getting old, but you can't find things improving. And yet all of evolution is built upon this premise that things went from nothing to incredible order over a period of time. You cannot observe anything like that. It goes against the second law of thermodynamics. It just is unobservable and it's unbelievable. Again, in Him was life. Everything came from Jesus. It didn't come from random stuff. It came from Jesus. Everything was created by Him. And in verse uh, 5 it says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Man, is that ever descriptive of people who believe in evolution. You know, people just can't comprehend. I mean... Again, I go back to Psalms 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament is showing His handiwork. It's shouting at us. It's yelling at us. And yet, people can't comprehend it. They, they can't see this. And they think that they're intelligent. Again, I go back to Psalms 14, Psalms 53. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You've got to be foolish. And I know that there's going to be... I'm not saying this with malice in my heart. 
Many of you will think that I'm bitter, I'm angry. I'm not. I am just trying to stand for what is so obviously the truth. You know, if we were sent a manned mission to Mars, and if people landed on Mars, and if they saw a house built, and if there was a house built on Mars, and let's say there was appliances in it, and it was a house like here on Earth. It had appliances. It had electricity. It had plumbing. And if they found a house on Mars, don't you think that everybody would be saying, this is proof that there was life on Mars? Do you think anybody would be so foolish as to say, well, we believe that this all just evolved. We believe that somehow or another the elements just came together and this house was put together and the washer and the dryer and the wiring and the plumbing, it just evolved. It is not proof that somebody with intelligence created it. If somebody was to say stuff like that, if they found a house on Mars and somebody said, we believe it evolved, that it's not proof that somebody of intelligence designed it. Everybody would think you are an absolute fool. And yet, we see so much more complexity than that. I'm talking about some inanimate object like a house. That is infinitely more possible than something that is alive that can grow and reproduce itself. And yet people see this constantly and think that it just happened without God. I'm telling you, that is an absolute fool. I don't say that with any malice in my heart, but I, I'm just saying how dumb can you get and still breathe to miss creation shouting out that there's God. And I know that this is not popular. It's politically incorrect. I'll probably receive bunches of hate mail. Man, those of you who agree, I'd appreciate something positive being said. Man, contact us. Go on our website. Send us something because I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of people that just are incensed and cannot believe that I'm saying these things. And yet I'm saying nothing that the Word of God doesn't say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Him was life. Everything that was made was made by Jesus. Here's another passage of Scripture. It goes right along with this. In Colossians chapter 1 and in verse um, 16 it says, talking about Jesus, for by Him were all things created. Notice they were created. They did not evolve. They didn't just happen. They were created. By Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. That's what the Scripture says. This is contrary to evolution that says that it just happened accidentally, randomly. It happened without the influence of a creator. It was just circumstances. And again, that goes completely against all of these scriptures. I've already used dozens of scriptures. I don't know how many you need. Genesis 1.1 is good enough for me. But here's just bunches of scriptures. Look in Acts chapter 17. This is Paul... Uh, preaching a sermon. And in Acts chapter 17 and in verse 24, Paul said this, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, 
dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And I could spend more time digging into this and analyzing it, but this says He created all men. He set the bounds for the sea. The earth was created in intelligence, and the Scripture says that it was a six-day period of time. Some people say, well, those days could have been thousands of years, and they quote the Scripture that says, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. But the Scripture, if you go in and study the word day, uh, in the book of Genesis, if you go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, and there's just so many other things. It is clear that this is a 24-hour day, and God created the earth. You know, again, when we interviewed Dr. Carl Ball, I'll refer to this, and he'll give you the specifics, but there is a radioactive isotope in granite, which where I live here in the Rocky Mountains, there's just granite everywhere. And there is a radioactive isotope in granite that has a half-life of, I can't remember the specifics, but it's like one one-thousandth of a second. What that means is that if this isotope wasn't trapped in rock, that in less than one one-thousandth of a second, that isotope uh, evaporates, or probably evaporates, not the right way to say it, but it dissipates. It just, it leaves. And so... Since you can find in all granite, there are these radioactive isotopes. Where we live, they have radon gas, which is granite that as it decomposes, it gives off this radioactive particles and stuff like this, and it's a factor, and we have to deal with it. That, that stuff only happens as the granite de degrades, is broken into pieces and stuff, and then these radioactive isotopes are released. And in less than one second... That granite ex broken and exposed, all this radiation exposes. I mean, it, it uh, escapes and is gone, dissipates. And so that means that granite had to be formed in less than one one-thousandth of a second or those isotopes couldn't have been trapped in there. If it would have taken hundreds and hundreds of millions of years for this granite to gradually form, then there would be no radioactive particles in it that have to be, that dissipate in less than one one-thousandth of a second. And on and on it goes. I'm telling you, that it's just God created everything. It is so obvious that you shouldn't have to spend time on this. But we have a society today that has a, a um, motivation, a desire to not be accountable to a creator. They have a prejudice, a bias. They are looking for ways to explain away the witness of creation. They are looking for ways to not be accountable to a God and just say that everything is, you know, just happened by happenstance, that we just come and go and there is no afterlife. People want to believe that. And so they've willingly been ignorant of these truths that we're talking about. And there are many Christians that even though they have turned to the Lord and they believe that they are going to go to heaven, and I'm not saying that they aren't, 
They could have believed and received their salvation. They have never critically evaluated the claims of evolution. It's been spoken to them so many times, they've just embraced it. And there are multitudes of Christians who embrace evolution, believe it is a scientific fact, and somehow or another you try and believe in evolution and the Bible at the same time. Those two things are incompatible. The Bible clearly dispels evolution. And there are just so many, many other scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of His power. He spoke the worlds into existence and His word holds it together. You know, I've got a lot more to share, but before I go right into talking about uh, talking to these scientists and letting them make these same truths that I've been trying to make from Scripture, from scientific uh, evidence, let me just deal with one thing. There are some people that I know, I've got a good friend who believes that prior to Genesis 1-2, there were eons, hundreds of millions of years that existed and that all of the dinosaurs and all of these things happened in that period of time, that there was a pre-Adamic civilization. In other words, that there was a civilization that existed before the creation of Adam and Eve, and that what Genesis is actually explaining is a recreation of the earth. Now, that's what some people believe. And again, I've got friends who love God and love the Word who have bought into that, but I cannot subscribe to that. Let me just go through and give you some of the logic. I've listened to the tapes. I've heard this teaching, and I just can't buy it. Here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And I've heard people say in verse 2, then it, when it says that the earth was without form, they, they go into the Hebrew and they say that the earth became without form and void. And then they will use a verse, like over here in Psalms chapter, or excuse me, this is Isaiah chapter 45, and in verse 18, it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heaven, God himself that formed the earth and, and made it, he established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. And they will take a verse like that and say that God did not make the, the earth in vain. And they go back into the Hebrew and look at some of the different meanings and stuff. And the word vain can mean void and things like this. And so they put these together and say that when it says that the earth was without form, they say it became without form and void and that God never created the earth void or in vain. And so they read in to what the scripture has to say that there are millions and billions of years separating Genesis 1-1 where God created the heavens and the earth and Genesis 1-2. And they believe that there was a group of people who lived on the earth. There was a civilization that Lucifer... Uh, the one we now call Satan, actually populated this earth and ruled over it. And then he had a rebellion against God and God destroyed them and the earth became vain and void. And then they go down to Genesis chapter 1 where God created Adam and Eve. 
And in verse 26, God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And they take this word replenish, and they say that means that at one time it was vibrant, it was full of life, it had all of these things, but then it was destroyed. And this is the recreation, and they have to replenish the earth. Now, I admit that that word replenish can mean to fill again, but the word replenish is used a number of times in Scripture, and it's not talking about filling again. It's just talking about to fill. Matter of fact, if you read this verse, Genesis 1.26, in any translation that I've read, now there may be some obscure translation that I haven't read, but I've read uh, probably a dozen translations, the Amplified, the NIV, and all of the main translations. Every one of them says that this says, be fruitful and fill the earth. It doesn't imply any of the meaning of refilling the earth. I think some of the confusion comes because of the word replenish. You know, when um, we put the word, the suffix, or the, excuse me, the prefix re on a word, sometimes that means to do it again. Like when you return means that you have turned and you are coming back to something. When you reschedule, it means that it was scheduled at one time and you're rescheduling. And it is true that sometimes that prefix, R-E, does mean to do again. But it doesn't mean that all the time. Like, for instance, when you receive something, does that mean that you received it before and that you've got to receive it? Does it mean that, you know, when... uh, There's just all kinds of uses of this that it does not mean a repetition or a repeat of something. And I believe it is a, there is a uh, bias, an attempt. People want to believe in evolution. They followed, swallowed this lie that there are hundreds of billions of years old and it does not fit the creation model that is given in Genesis, and there is a bias. They are looking for something. They want to find some way to explain these scriptures away, and so they are jumping to conclusions and basing things, you know, straining in a gnat and swallowing a camel. That's what Jesus said, and that's exactly what all of this is. Let me just say it this way. If you use Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, to teach that there is a gap between those two. And from that, you develop this theory about Lucifer having a kingdom. And this is where all of the demons came from, all of the people that were judged in the pre-Adamic civilization were the disembodied spirits that we now call demons, and they're the ones that work in the earth, etc. There is a... You have to have a bias to believe that. The Scripture does not say this. As a matter of fact, this is another teaching. I'm not going to go into this right now, but my teaching on the authority of the believer, I go into where Satan got his authority from, and he didn't get it as an angelic being, some supernatural human power. I believe he transgressed against God in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, and this is where his transgression took place. And I use Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14 to show you that he was still in his sinless, perfect state in the Garden of Eden, and he was sent there as a minister of God to Adam and Eve. He was an angelic being, an unfallen angelic being, a still glorified angelic being. And I believe I can prove those things from Scripture. 
So I'm not going to go into that right now, but that's in my teaching entitled The Authority of the Believer. And I believe I can disprove this whole gap theory and the fact that there was a Jurassic Earth and that there was all of these time periods that took hundreds of millions of years. And when we get into some of these scientific things, and I start interviewing some of these uh, scientists, and especially Dr. Carl Ball, he's going to have a column of all of these different rock layers and how that it's said that they are separated by hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of years. And yet we are going to show you human footprints in rock layers that are supposed to be hundreds of millions of years old. And according to the evolutionary model, mankind did not appear until relatively recently, not over a hundred million years old. I, I forget the exact details. I think it's only, um, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 something years ago, according to evolution. But those human footprints are in stratas that are supposed to be 250 million years old. It's just incompatible. We're going to show you cups that were made by men that are in layers of coal that is supposed to be hundreds of millions of years old. We're going to show you a petrified uh, uh, handle uh, and a hammer that was hammered into a hexagon shape it is definitely formed by man. It has an iron properties that you cannot reproduce today because the atmosphere was different on the earth before the flood of Adam and Eve. And this hammer and the petrified handle and all of these things are in strata of rock that are supposed to be hundreds of millions of years old. And yet mankind didn't appear on the scene until just tens of thousands of years old uh, ago, according to the evolutionary model. So there is this huge discrepancy. Man products by men should not be in layers of rock that are supposedly hundreds of millions of years old, and yet they are. Evolution is not true. I do not believe that you have to embrace it and accept evolution is true and then go to the Bible and try and find some way to fit evolution into the Bible. It is incompatible with the Bible and there is no need to do this. I have no motivation to try and make the Bible harmonize with evolution because I believe evolution is impossible. It is scientifically proven against it. You know, again, Dr. Carl Ball will give you these statistics, but there are thousands of scientists who have signed uh, a document stating that they believe that evolution did not happen randomly. It did not happen accidentally. They may not use the word creationism. They may not say it. It is Jesus that created it, but they attribute it to a divine happening, an intelligent action and in a relatively short period of time, a literal six-day creation. They're scientists, people who are credentialed, who believe this. I believe that the evidence proves uh, against evolution. It points towards creationism. And again, I don't have to go to scientists to come to this conclusion. This is what the Word of God teaches. You were created by God. And you know, I, I just really believe that this is important. I know that some people feel I'm belaboring this point. But if you believe that you just somehow or another evolved, if you believe that all, if you believe that kind of stuff, you'll believe anything. 
If you could swallow that lie, I don't know where there could be a limit on what you would believe. You know, let me turn over again. I quoted these verses already, and I know that some people find this offensive. But in Psalms chapter 14 and also in Psalms chapter 53, there are twice that the Scripture says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. It goes on to say in 14.1, Psalms 14.1, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of man to see if there were any that did understand and did seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And you know, this is quoted over in the book of Romans chapter 3 in many different places. The scripture refers back to this. This is a foundational truth. The Lord looked on the earth to see if there was anybody who understood. And it says none of us really understand the things of God. All of us are, you know, Paul said this, that we know in part and we prophesy in part. None of us have a total revelation of the truth. Nobody has ever figured everything out. I I believe in evolution in this sense, that I believe in de-evolution. I believe that Adam was incredibly smart. You know, the doctors will tell us today that people only use like 10% of their brain. I have no way of knowing how they came to that conclusion. I think there's some people that use a lot less than 10% of their brain. I don't know, but I believe that Adam, he was hitting on all cylinders. This guy was able to name every animal on the earth. And the names of these animals are so descriptive of their function and how they live and do different things. And it shows incredible intelligence. I believe that Adam and Eve were super smart. And I believe that things have evolved, but they've evolved downward. I believe that people made today only use 10% of their brain. You know, you go back and... And again, evolution shows that people came from apes and that they started out as cavemen and that there was none of this sophistication. And yet you can go back to some of the oldest uh, skeletons that we have of mankind and they show incredible sophistication. And they show things that don't fit the evolutionary model. Again, these scientists that I've already done these interviews with, they will be giving you some of these stats and showing it. But if I believe in evolution, it's de-evolution. I believe that we have in, we've gone from having a revelation of God. And as you read the Bible, people knew God. I mean, Adam and Eve walked with Him in perfection. And they lived, uh, Adam lived to be 930 years old. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be with a person who lived, we don't know what period of time it was, but if it was months or years in absolute perfection, and he walked and talked with God, and he had this intimate relationship with God, and this man lived for 930 years after sin, and he saw the creation. He had seen it in its perfection. He began to see the animals begin to start cannibalizing each other, which in the beginning they were all herbivorous, however you say that, instead of carnivorous. And... uh, He saw this transformation and he had a perspective and he passed that on to his descendants for 930 years. 
Enoch, who was one of his descendants, he walked with God and had such a close relationship with him that he literally was just caught up into the heavens. He never died. He was just translated into heaven. And he lived for 300 and something years. Don't you think that his revelation of God impacted people? People started out with a knowledge of God. They knew that there was a God. Cain, when he killed Abel, he talked directly to God in Genesis, the fourth chapter. They were having an audible face-to-face confrontation. People started out knowing that there was a God. And we have de-evolved. And just like it says here in, in Psalms 14 and Psalms 53, when people say that there is no God, that's foolish. It goes against their intuitive knowledge and revelation. And God looks and He says, there's nobody that understands. The whole human race just degraded, de-evolved into such a bad condition that the Lord couldn't find anybody who could really understand. And so He had to bring salvation Himself. You know, over in the book of Revel, uh, Romans, chapter 1, it says in verse 18, it says, um, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, not to them, but in them, For God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Boy, those are powerful passages of Scripture. And basically, this is just saying that the invisible things of God are revealed in us. Not just to us, but in us. Yes, creation, according to Psalms 19, is just shouting out that there is a God and that this could not happen accidentally. For anybody who pays attention, it's obvious. But beyond creation, you have an inner witness. It's like God put a homing device on the inside of every single person. And if you would be still, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that He is God. If you would just be still and sit down and think about these things, the Holy Spirit would begin to reveal this to you. You know, there are people, I'm sure, that disagree with everything I'm saying here, and you just dismiss it. You will not think about it. Why not? If what you believe is true, wouldn't it stand examination? If evolution is all proven, well then won't all of the facts confirm it? Why would you be afraid to listen to somebody who shows facts that are contrary? You know what? The truth is people just will not acknowledge these things. They won't confront it. And I'm just being bold and coming to you and telling you that you need to evaluate these things and that God has revealed these truths to you on the inside. It's like a homing device. If you get still, if you get quiet, if you were to open up your heart and say, God, show me if you just created the heavens and the earth in six days, and if all of this evolution stuff is wrong, well then show me. Listen to the scriptures that I've read. Listen to the interviews I do with Dr. Carl Baugh and Dr. Grady McMurtry. Listen to these things and examine it. And if, you know, just give it a chance. And I believe that what this is saying, that God will reveal Himself in you and show you that inside everybody knows these things. You know, the homosexual 
the people that are living in immorality, they'll say, oh, I have no conviction about this. Well, the Bible says you can harden your heart. You can have your conscience seared with a hot iron. And I don't doubt that you can get to a place where you don't believe anything and you have no conviction and you're living like a dog and you don't have any conviction or any qualms about it. But it didn't start out that way. Everybody at one time had to start deadening yourself. There is this intuitive knowledge of God on the inside of every person. And you know, I don't ever try and argue with an atheist and do these things. I just go past all of their arguments and I say, that's a lie. You know that there's truth. You know that there's a God. If somebody puts a gun to your head and cocks it and says, I'm going to kill you, you'll call out to the God that you say you don't believe in. It's just a mind game. I go past people's minds and I go straight to their heart. That's what I'm doing right now. There are some of you that have embraced this evolution and you haven't really challenged it. You haven't really examined it closely. You just accepted the lies that have been told you. But I'm going past all of your mental stuff and I'm going right to your heart and saying in your heart, you know that this is impossible. You know that this couldn't happen. If you will allow the Holy Spirit, He will reveal to you that you were created and designed by God. You aren't a mistake whether your parents knew that you were coming or not. God created you. Psalms chapter 139 says you were formed in your mother's belly and you, all of your parts were written down and recorded and all of your days, what you were supposed to do was already planned before you were ever given birth. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah referred to that and God told him, before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you came forth out of your mother's belly, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. The Apostle Paul said the same thing in Galatians chapter 1. You aren't just random. It's not up to you to pick and choose what you want to do. You were created. You were designed by God with the purpose. You are going to stand before a God someday and give an answer for what you did with your life. You are not an evolved animal. You are a created being with a design and you will give an account. And in your heart, you know this at your heart level. Whether your head agrees with it or not, your heart knows it. And I encourage you to just submit today and examine the claims of Christianity and creationism and put that up against evolution. And I believe you would have to come to the conclusion that we were created and didn't evolve.